Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God, as we find written in Paul's letter to the Romans, reading there in the 14th chapter, beginning at the first verse. Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God has received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and the living. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Good morning, dear friends in Christ Jesus. It is nice to see you here in church this morning, and I hope that you are glad that you came. Today, as you know, is the 20th Sunday after Trinity. If you've looked at your church calendar, there are only 24 Sundays, so very shortly we will be bringing this church year to an end. The text that I just read, taken from Paul's letter to the Christian congregation at Rome. Paul did not establish this congregation. We are not certain who did, but Paul desired to get to Rome, to the capital city of the world. And he wrote this letter when he was down in Agnew country. He was down in Greece. He was in the city of Corinth on his third missionary journey. The year was about 58. And he wrote this letter to the Christian congregation at Rome, telling them that he wanted to come and see them. He was in Greece at the time. And we find him in this text that I just read, arriving about one of the problems that's very common in our Christian life, but a problem that really bothers us and it confuses us at times. And the problem is this. What shall be your aim and mine each day as we start each day to live it as a Christian? What should be our aim? What should be our purpose? What should be our mark? What should be the goal as you and I live each day? Bringing it right down in your life and mine this morning. Here it is, early Sunday morning. You and I are going to live this day. We say to ourselves as a Christian, uh, what should be the aim of my life as I live it today? What is the purpose? What's the mark? What's the goal? And in Paul's letter here writing to the Christians at Rome, he's talking about that very thing. And this is what he tells them their aim ought to be. He says, whether ye live, he says, live unto the Lord. And whether ye die, die unto the Lord. So in other words, he is saying to the Christians of his day, if you want to know what the aim and what the purpose and what the goal of your Christian life should be each day, it ought to be this. Live it to the Lord, or in simple language he is saying to you and me this morning, uh, what should be the goal, the aim of my life each day as a Christian? 
Paul says, see that you live it to the Lord. Uh, see that you advance Christ. See that you are a Christ booster. See to it that you are a Jesus fan. See to it that you are a Christ salesman. Let this be the aim. Let this be the goal of your life every day that you live it. Be a salesman. Advance the cause of Christ. Make sure that you're going to use the day to sell Christ to somebody else. Be a Christ fan. Live it to the Lord. And you and I may say, no wonder this thing confuses us. You mean to say that the aim of my life as a Christian ought to be every day as I begin a new day to say, this is the day when I am going to live this day as a Christ booster. I'm going to be a Christ fan. I'm going to be a Christ rooter. I am going to be a Christ salesman. I am going to use this day to sell Christ to somebody else. And we may say, well, now we are confused. For we may look at Paul and we may say, Paul, if that's the aim of my life every day as a Christian, then I am to be a salesman for Christ. We may say, Paul, what you're doing as far as I'm concerned, you're taking my life and you're just squeezing the last ounce of joy out of it. Who in the world can ever enjoy his life from day to day as a Christian if he is supposed to begin every day and the goal should be this, to advance Christ, to be a Christ booster, to be a Christ salesman? We may say, oh, what a pathetic life that's going to be. There won't be any joy. There won't be any fun left in my life if that's to be the motive. And boy, that confuses us, doesn't it? And yet St. Paul would say to you and me this morning, when you live, live to the Lord. I want you to know, let this be the motive of every day as you begin it, to say to yourself, I am going to live for the Lord today. I'm going to be a Christ booster. I'm going to be a Christ fan. I'm going to be a Christ salesman. And Paul says, I want to assure you of this. This is going to be an enthusiastic life for you. It's going to put some fun into your life. It is going to fill your life that your cup will actually run over. You will bubble over with joy, Paul says, if you make that the motive of your life. And you and I may say, well, it sounds to me like you're just squeezing every ounce of joy left in it and you're going to just cause me to be shriveled up and I'm not going to have any fun at all if I am to say this is the motive of my life as a Christian every day, that I am to be a Christ salesman, a Christ booster. I am to advance him. And yet Paul says, if you make this the aim of your life, Paul says, I'll assure you that your cup will run over. And you and I may look at it this morning and say, you mean to tell me that's going to make my life worth living, that mine's going to be enthusiastic, that I'm going to kind of live it on tiptoe, that there's going to be a spring in my walk, that life is going to mean something so wonderfully greater. If I make that the motive of my life, and Paul said, yes, I guarantee that. And in the first place, because Paul would remind you and me of this, that when the aim of your life and mine every day, when we start the day, we say, this is the aim and this is my goal. I'm going to be a Christ booster today. I'm going to be a Christ fan. I am going to advance Christ then it means this, that you and I are going to see to it and strive every day to share the Christ that you and I know when the occasion comes with somebody else. If I'm going to be a Christ salesman, then I'm going to have to sell Christ when the occasion comes. And you and I may say, well, that's right. But we may look at ourselves and say, uh, I'm not much of a salesman. 
We may say, I tried to sell him in my life when an occasion comes, but we may say to ourselves, somewhere I always goof it. I, I blow my selling point. I don't seem to be able to sell him. You know, I wonder when you and I are salesmen and we are to take the opportunity that comes each day, I wonder if we know how to be a good salesman. I like to think what Jesus said one day. You know, Christ was a marvelous salesman. He said this. He said, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. If you want to be a good salesman, he said, don't forget, you be as wise as a serpent and harms the dove. In simple language, he said, you have a little tact about you. I'd like to have you have a little Christian common sense, a little horse sense about you. Jesus said, if you want to be a salesman and you want to advance me, have a little Christian horse sense. You may say to me, oh, what do you mean by that? I mean this. Not long ago, I had a young woman come into my office, a very highly educated person, and she was concerned about her husband's welfare. And she says, says, oh, I love the Lord. I read my Bible all the time, and I pray all the time, and I tell my husband, why don't you read the Bible? And why don't you believe in Christ? And why don't you find the joy that you have and that I ought to have and I do have in him? And she went on and on, and finally when I stopped her, I said, and what did your husband say, and what does he say? And I can quote him exactly. She says, he says, you're not. And that's just about it. What kind of a salesman? A little horse sense. Whenever you and I belittle, or whenever you and I embarrass somebody, when the occasion comes for sharing Christ, we're a bum salesman. I talked to a professional man one day. We were talking alone about this thing. Then he shared an experience he has. I was with a group of my friends. And he said, a woman came up and he says, are you saved? And he said, it made me so mad. I said, what business is of yours whether I'm saved or not? She didn't have any horse sense. She didn't know what it meant to be as wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. In the adult class, you may wonder sometimes why I stress the idea when you come, I'll not embarrass you. I will not belittle you. I will not in any way put you on the edge or ask you any questions. When we begin each day, and we say to ourselves, this shall be the goal of my day, that I'm going to share my Christ with others when the opportunity comes. For goodness sakes, let's have a little Christian tact and a little common sense. You don't sell Christ when you embarrass somebody. You don't sell Christ when you belittle him. But when you and I again find the occasion, and without embarrassment that we share him, we say, squeezing all the joy out of life. Oh no, there comes again, your cup and mine begins to run over with joy. There comes a greater and a fuller appreciation of what Christ means to you and me. We just got through singing, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my dear Redeemer's praise. Charles Wesley wrote those words. He was saying that Christ meant so much to him, he wished that he had a thousand tongues instead of one tongue to sing the praises of his Lord. Have you and I ever tried to be a salesman with a little common Christian sense, a little horse sense? Have we ever realized that, that you can't talk to somebody else about Christ, the Son of God, about life and salvation without it rubbing on ourselves? And that again, there comes that your cup and mine begins to run over and we say, oh, what it means to have Christ, to know that my sins are forgiven, to know that in him who died for my sins and who arose again, to know that I am delivered from eternal death, to know that I have eternal life in him. Have you ever tried it? Again, Paul says, do you want the life worth living? Do you want a life on tiptoe? Do you want a life where your cup runs over? Paul said, then let this be the aim each day of your life when you started out to say, 
I'm going to be a Christ booster. I'm going to be a Christ fan. I'm going to be a rooter for Jesus Christ. I'm going to advance him when the occasion comes. And Paul says, your cup will run over when you use a little common sense. That ought to mean today then we'd say to ourselves, I've often wondered, just when I live my life and I start a day, what should I aim at? And Paul says, live it to the Lord. In simple language, you go out you advance him. When we say to ourselves this morning, this is, going to be, this is going to be the very motive of my life. It's going to be the goal. Then we're going to make sure that as we live and when the opportunities come, that the Christ that we share is going to be the Christ with the cross and not just the Christ who is a model teacher, who is an example. Let's make sure that when we have an opportunity and somebody listens and we say a word on the job, just a kind word. Let's make sure that it's the Christ of the cross. Paul reminded the Christians at Rome, he says, and don't forget, it was the Christ who died and who rose again that he has become the Christ of the living and of the dead. It is by his cross. Without his cross, without Calvary, there isn't any Savior. And when we realize that we're going to share him, then there comes this joy, the joy of having done something that is going to have eternal value, and sometimes appreciation to ourselves. I know sometimes you may say, what good does a preacher do out in a hospital? After all, there's for the doctor. And we surely wouldn't be little. What medicine can do today and what surgery can do, they are tremendous things and what blessings we receive. But may I remind you that everything that medicine does and everything that surgery does is only temporary. The time's going to come and you and I will get ill again. The time's going to come and we die. What can the minister do? He is the one who brings something when he brings the Christ to the cross that has eternal value, not just temporary. Blessings for the now, but blessings that go beyond the grave to eternal life and everlasting salvation. And when you and I can share that kind of a Christ who has eternal value, there are times in our life when there comes the joy of appreciation. And oh, when it comes, it thrills your soul. Just about two or three weeks ago out at the hospital, if you will pardon the illustration, I went in to call on a lady in bed A, and as I talked to her, she introduced me to a lady in bed B. And the lady looked and she said, Are you Reverend Carlson? I said, Yes. And she says, Are you really? She says, I've listened to you for years. And I had hoped that before I die, that I might get a chance to see you, to see what you look like, and that I might shake your hand and thank you. And I walked over to that bed. And there were smiles and there were tears. And she reached out to take my hand and looked up. Thank God you'll never realize what you have meant to me. There were tears in several eyes and my cup ran over. I was walking on air for the rest of the day. Oh, who can realize what just a kind word of appreciation means sometimes when somebody longs to give it. We start every day, don't we? And we say to ourselves, what am I going to do this day? What, what's the motive? What's the aim of living? And Paul says, why, live it to the Lord. Paul says, let this be the goal, the aim of your life. You go out and you advance Christ. You go out and you be, you be a booster for Christ. You be a Christ fan. You be a rooter for him. 
You be a salesman. Let this be the motive. Let this be the goal of every day that you live. And you and I must say, but oh, Paul, hey, you're, just, you're squeezing every bit of joy. I don't see how in the world I can be happy with that kind of life. And Paul says, I promise you that your cup will run over because Paul in the second place would remind you and me that when this is our motive and we start every day and we say, today I'm going to, I'm going to be a salesman for Christ. I'm going to try to sell Christ to somebody else that will mean this, that we will see to it every day that we will live and to do that which is right as we see it and avoid like the plague doing anything that is wrong. We will say to ourselves, when I live today, I'm going to live the life that is right in the sight of God and I'm going to avoid doing wrong because we're going to say, if I'm a salesman and if I am to sell Christ by my life, it had better be a life that measures up to a certain extent in those things that are right because we've got sense enough to know if we've got any common Christian sense at all to say that when the worldly man looks at us and if we don't practice what we preach, he says, the kind of a Christ you've got is the kind of, you can't sell me him, I don't want him. If he approves that kind of a life, you and I know that and that means that we're going to live every day and say on the basis of what is right, on the basis as God has revealed his will in the Ten Commandments, I am going to strive to the best of my ability to live that kind of a life and to avoid doing that which is wrong. And you and I may say, well, preacher, do you mean to say that there's any joy in, in right living? Why, you may say, well, you're just taking my life, you're just squeezing everything. What fun is there in life if you can't do something that's wrong? Paul would remind you and me that if you want your cup to run over, it's going to come in virtuous living. It's going to come in right living. You know, I would say, is there any fun in living the way God wants us to live? Suppose you and I would look at Jesus Christ. How many of us know that the happiest life that was ever lived was the life of Jesus Christ? You may say, you mean he who died on the cross, that that was a happy life? There was never any happier life lived. His cup ran over. Why? Because it was a righteous life. Because it was a life fully in keeping with the will of his heavenly Father. There is joy in right living. You and I may say, what is it? The joy of a good conscience. There is no greater joy that can come into a man's soul than to have a conscience that is at rest. When you and I read that our mental hospitals are becoming fuller and fuller, and that again, this is where the predominance of individuals are going, and when we read that the majority in mental hospitals are there from a sense of guilt, soul sick, then we're beginning to realize that what is happy living? What is life where the cup runs over? It is righteous right living, isn't it, when there's peace within. You and I are never more miserable. We are never more unhappy than when we've got a conscience that damns us because of something we know that is wrong that we are doing. We are never happier than when we've got a conscience that is at peace. This is Christian living at its best. This is joy when the cup runs over. And also then the assurance that as we look at our life that it measures up to our faith and that ours is a living faith and a saving faith. And it's not a deader than a doornail faith. It is not a sham faith. 
That's joy where the cup runs over. Paul isn't taking your life in mind and just simply squeezing it so that there's not an ounce of fun and joy left in it. And therefore, we ought to say to ourselves this morning, well, now I've got a goal. When I start each day, today is Sunday, tomorrow is Monday. This ought to be my goal that I, I'm going to be a Christ rooter. I'm going to be a Christ booster. I'm going to be a salesman. I'm going to live it to the Lord. I'm going to simply advance him. Then we ought to say, well, this is going to be the goal of my life. And then it means this, that we're going to be determined that we're not going to live it for ourselves. Sometimes we may say, why should I go ahead and advance him? I'm going to look out after a number one, the big perpendicular pronoun. I'm going to live it my way. I'm going to try to live it as right as I can. I don't mean I'm going to go out and do wrong. I'm not going to be a moral, but I'm going to live it for myself. And I'm going to find joy and happiness. Uh, before we let that be the rule of our life, may I remind you of King Solomon? King Solomon, you know, if there ever was a man that had everything, God gave him wisdom, God gave him wealth, had a thousand wives, you remember. He had stables and horses of the best. He had everything. Did you ever bear in mind that when King Solomon started to live for himself, he was going to live for himself. He was going to find joy and happiness in the things that he had. He was the man that wrote the words. He says, oh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. You've heard them quoted, haven't you? You say, what did he mean? He was saying, oh, vanity, oh, nothingnesses of nothingness. He says, everything is empty. He says, there isn't one ounce of enduring joy in the things in life. Did you ever notice how you long? You're going to get a new automobile and you get a new automobile. How long does the joy last? Or you're going to get a new icebox. You're going to get a new refrigerator. You're going to get a new a washing machine. You're going to get a new dryer. Or you're going to get a new dishwasher. Or you're going to get a new home. If you're rather stay, we're going to go out in the country. We're going out into suburbia. And this is where I'm going to find joy. Rather strange in the city. Suburbia is coming back into town. We've got rotary towers. Isn't it strange? Uh, somehow or other, there is no lasting joy in things. God made you and me like that. Yes, suburbia is coming back into town, you know. Or something is missing. Isn't that right? Why? Solomon says, oh, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. There is no satisfying joy in things. And therefore, we ought to say to ourselves, my aim is not going to be that I'm going to get all the joy and I'm going to live right, but I'm going to live for myself. Oh, we're going to delude ourselves. We're going to start chasing rainbows. How many of us are chasing rainbows? I'm always chasing rainbows, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and yet get there and it doesn't satisfy. There's another rainbow. I'm going after this. I know I'm going to find it. And we go on rainbows and rainbows and rainbows. We come to the place where everything is vanity. It just isn't there, is it? Deluding ourselves, never finding joy. And then in the meantime, in this secular way of living, to allow Christ to slip out of our hands and to stand, we've lost him too. Oh, it's a practical thing. How, what, what's the aim and the motive of your life and mine as we start each day? Paul says, why, when you live, live to the Lord. You'll be, you be a salesman for Christ. You advance him. You'll be a booster. You'll be a Christ fan. You'll be a Christ rooter. And you and I may say, oh boy, this, this, this is something. This bothers me. This is just squeezing all the joy out. And Paul says, oh no. 
Paul says, I promise you a life worth living. I, I promise it's going to put some fun in your life. It's going to put just a spring in your walk. It's going to let your cup run over because, Paul, in the third place, he reminds us, this aim, when you've got this kind of an aim, it means this, that you're going to show mercy and kindness and consideration for your fellow man, and you're going to give up a lot of your liberties, if necessary, so that you don't hurt him. You may wonder when I read this text what Paul was talking about, so many verses there. He said, here's one man, he says, he eats everything. He's a meat eater. Here's another guy over here, he's a vegetarian. And Paul says, the meat eater, he looks down on the vegetarian, but the vegetarian just can't quite get himself to eat meat. Uh, he figures that that's wrong. Well, you see, again, we have meat eaters and we have vegetarians. There are some things in the Christian life that are, are very debatable, isn't that right? Take smoking, for instance. There are a lot of Christians who say, there's nothing in the Word of God that forbids smoking or that commands it. Therefore, I can smoke where I need not smoke. And there are others who say, no smoking's wrong. With regard to alcoholic beverages, there are those that say, God teaches that, again, we shall uh, be temperate in all things. But there are other Christians who say, no, you've got to be abstaining. Absolutely, there, there's going to be a plain cards. People say, what about it? Uh, this is quite a debatable thing. How about cosmetics? As you women know, some churches say you can't put any lipstick or rouge on or any cosmetics and blonde or certain church, and you say, well, where does God forbid that, that I can't enhance the beauty of my body and so forth? How about that? There are these debatable things. One man, Paul says, that he ascribes one day higher than the other. Some of you have been raised that Sunday is a greater day than any other day and that you have rules and regulations for your life on Sunday. And others say all days belong to the Lord. They're all holy and I shall attend. I shall magnify my Christ and I show you some of these liberties. Uh, some of you ladies say, well, I, I think I ought to wear a hat when I come to church. And some of you say, I, I think I've got Christian liberty here. I don't have to. Uh, th this is what he's talking about. These things, again, that there will never be unanimity in the Christian church. Uh, these are the debatable things. And now what is Paul saying? Paul is saying this, that when you live to the Lord, when you're a salesman for him, uh, Paul says, then show mercy and kindness and consideration for your fellow man. Uh, don't despise him. Uh, don't turn and repudiate him. Uh, Paul says, if necessary, uh, maybe you have to give some of those liberties up, lest you offend him. Then we may say, oh, you mean to say, preacher, that uh, some of these liberties I may have to give up, and then you're going to just squeeze the last ounce of joy and happiness out of my life? And Paul says, haven't you ever found any joy that your cup ran over? in loving sacrifice for someone else. You realize that Christ, when he sacrificed his life on the cross, that he found joy in it, that he said, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. There was joy in it. You mothers, isn't there joy in loving sacrifice for your kids? I remember the teacher in school saying to the little girl in the arithmetic class, she said, how many are in your family? The little girl said, there's six of us and all. She said, all right, mother has one pie and there's six of you in the family and your little girlfriend drops in for lunch. Now your mother's going to cut the pie into how many pieces will mother cut the pie? And the little girl said, you cut it in six pieces. The teacher said, now didn't you say there were six in your family? She said, yes. And didn't you, now the little girl's coming over, she's going to stay for lunch. Now mother's going to cut one pie into how many pieces? And the little girl said, you cut it in six pieces. And the teacher said, my dear, you, you, you don't know much about arithmetic. And the little girl said, uh, dear teacher, you don't know my mother. My mother, see, uh, she would go without. You, you'd cut it in six pieces, wouldn't you? The joy of sacrifice. Have you and I ever again had our cut run over by saying, I can do without a lot of things in my Christian life that I don't offend and that I don't cause somebody who is weak in the faith to stumble. 
that I don't cause him to lose eternal life. That's life worth living. We ought to say this to ourselves. Paul says, I want you to put some fun in your life. I want your cup to run over, and I want it to run over this way. Start every day and live it to the Lord. Be a salesman for Jesus Christ. Advance him. Let that be your goal. And if you and I can say, this is going to be the goal of my life, then we ought to determine as much that this is going to be the habit of my life. I'm going to do it every day that I live. And then when that thing that we call death comes, and it may come so suddenly that you and I may have the joy that we still belong to him. I like the story of the man that lived down by the railroad yards in a large city. You have seen them. I lived close to Terminal Station in St. Louis, Union Station. When you go over to the Union Station, the gateway to the west, which was a terminal, there were thousands of tracks coming into Union Station in St. Louis. This man, if you've been to Chicago, you've seen these great railroad centers. This man loved to live by the railroads. He loved to walk. But he always had this habit in his life that when he took nightly walks, he would make sure as he started with all the thousands of tracks that he was not in the middle of two tracks, but he always, when he started out, watched that he was alongside of the tracks. And he tells that one night as he was walking along deep in thought, not paying any attention, just walking and enjoying it, suddenly he looked up and here was a train coming fast at him from the front and the headlight was blinding him and he wondered what to do and he looked in back and here was one coming this way, coming and its lights were blinding him and he thought, well, what will I do? Where am I? Then he remembered, I always start out, I watch that I'm never in the middle, I'm always on the side of the tracks, I'm just going to stand here and he did and he just stood still and he prayed. The trains this way came and whizzed by on the side. And the one from the back came and whizzed by on the other. And he stood there praying. And then everything was quiet. And he was alive. And he was safe. Because he had made it a habit. He had made it a habit. When he started out, never to be in the middle of the tracks. Always alongside. And if you're a Christian life of mine, we'll make it this habit. I'm going to start every day. And I'm going to be a root of Christ for you. I'm going to enhance you. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to be a salesman. Well, then, if that can be the habit of our life, when death comes and we may not even know it, it may be a stroke that will never regain consciousness, we can have the assurance, I belong to you, Jesus. We can sing on the glory road for oh, a beautiful song to know that we still belong to him. The song that, oh, it just makes our cup run over. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice I hear falling on my ear the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known oh to be his that puts a spring in life that's enthusiastic living that word enthusiastic comes from two Greek words en in theos the enthusiastic life is the en in theos in God may your life and mine be the enthusiastic life the life in God on tiptoe your cup and mine running over amen
The peace of God which passeth all human understanding, keep and unite your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.